So this is John Hennigan. We're back here on the Old Time Radio Show with our buddy Don Kent. How you doing, Don? I'm doing fine. Well, thanks for coming. We're uh, thrilled about what we're about to do here. Um, tell everybody what we're going to do on today's show. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, explore all the variations of uh, Cairo Blues by Henry Spaulding done by St. Louis artists. Um, and we're going to do it in a, in a sort of backwards manner. Now... Um, Henry, Henry Townsend once said, uh, as far as St. Louis, St. Louis musicians went, if you didn't play Cairo, you weren't nothing. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. So this, this was like the St. Louis song. It was, as far as guitar players were concerned. Right. Uh, just like uh, Stump Johnson's Snitcher's Blues was done by a lot of piano players in St. Louis. Right. And actually, uh, I just played a record the other day by Lonnie Johnson, where James P. Johnson plays the bass part on one of his records, and it's, you know, that means it sort of existed before Stump Johnson recorded it, but he said it, uh. in, you know, as far as copyists are concerned. Uh, we're going to start with Charlie Jordan, under the name of Uncle Skipper, uh, doing a variation on Carol called Shifferobe. Okay. If you was a chevro, be by ramble all through your drawers. If you was a chevro, I ramble all through your drawers. I just keep on rambling, baby, till I find your little old Sandy Claus. Now you be my chevro. I tell you what I will do. If you be my chevron, I tell you what I will do. I ramble through your drawers, baby. Now take care of your clothing too. Now to be my chevron, I got to ramble all through your drawers. To be my chevron, I got to ramble all through your drawers. If I can't do no rambling, baby, you can't be my chevron at all. Says a brand new chevron, keep your clothes so nice and neat. Says a brand new chevron. Keep your clothes so nice and neat. And I love my little old baby because she's so nice and sweet. I've been ramming through your drawer, baby, for a great long time, you know. I've been ramming through your drawer, baby, for a great long time, you know. Now you somebody at the ship road, baby. I can't ram through your draw no more. That was great. Yeah, well, Petey Weesaw, uh, gets a bad rap because he recorded the same uh, introduction, and his a lot of his mid-range, middle deckers are very repetitive. But as an accompanist, he was really quite good. He sounds great in piano there, too. Yeah, no, he was able to play 
probably pay more attention to his playing instead of concentrating on his singing, which was his main forte, I guess. Yeah. All right, this is by... I, I understand people just oh found God. out something about this guy. He was a complete non, non-entity. He, he wasn't well-known in, in St. Louis, but he apparently lived there for a while. Uh, Henry Townsend said he thought he had run into him once, but he does the Cairo theme, so he must have been there for a while. Now, this is an extreme rarity. Yeah, there's probably less than there's probably about five copies tops around. I don't know for sure, but it's I traded Robert Johnson for it uh, when I heard it, and I never regretted it. Yeah, that's a great trade. Did we say this is Lane Harden? Lane Harden, uh, Hard Times Blues. Wow. Jesus Christ. Uh, I got a couple things to say about this record. Uh, first of all, it's Cairo, but he probably didn't learn it from Cairo. He probably learned it from J.D. Sh- Short, either from the record of J.D. Short in person, because he uses the first two verses on J.D. Short's version of Cairo called It's Hard Times. Right. Uh, and then he develops it, whereas after the first two verses, or the first three verses, uh, J.D. Short goes in just into traditional verses. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is he's got his strings down pretty low, doesn't he? Well, it, it, th- that's what I was going to bring up. Now, 
Is that standard E tuned down to D, or is that open D? No, it's standard. It's probably tuned down to to, to D, uh, and it's low. You know, I never tuned my guitar to concert pitch, but it's tuned lower than I ever did. I was always sort of like close, but never close to concert. You know, I didn't right, right. bother to go to the concert pitch, but it's it's probably lower somewhere down in to between D. E yeah. and D. Yeah, but but standard. You think that's standard? Oh, it definitely standard. Absolutely. Tuning. Yeah. I, mean, I know when Henry Townsend plays it in that film footage that's shot in what the early sixties or yeah, mid sixties. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can clearly that. see that he's playing it in a with E shapes. Yes. Yeah. And he, I think he's tuned to E pitch in that. Yeah, it's but, always but the Spalding e. version that we will uh, get to at the end of this show. Yeah. You you think that's um, E also just tuned down? It's tuned down. Yeah, I think it's E also tuned down. Yeah. Or K maybe capoed. Right, right. The thing I really liked also, I mean, other than the fact that Lane Harden was just a oh, just a beautiful masterpiece, yeah. mesmerizing, of course. But you can really, because it's recorded probably better on that Bluebird or Presspet or whatever, you can really hear that rhythm, that the, the, the K-Row rhythm that Spalding also does that's so, you know, it's so subtle. And it's a little harder to pick up on the Spalding record, but on that uh, record you can you can hear it so he, clearly just with that subtle little rhythm thing that he's doing. It's dun, 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 he's doing dun, dun. it he's doing it slower, which makes it easier to pick up. That that yeah, too. That has that too. too. I mean, and he's not doing all the really fancy things that like he's not s quite snapping the strings as hard. Right. No. No. no it's got a totally different vibe. Um, almost haunting compared to like the the Spalding. It's haunting in its own way, but um, that was really uh, really nice. It's wow. an amazing way. Well, now let's hear a full blown Mississippi version of uh, Hard Times by of Hard Times of Hard Times, which is a Cairo variant, right? Done by J D. Short under the pseudonym of Joe Stone, and I have no idea why he called himself Joe Stone because it's so obvious it's J D. Short that it's like you know. Blind William McTell recording as you know, uh, Barrel House Sammy or something. Right. It's right. and it's a great record also, and it's the fastest version of Cairo. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's fast. Baby, keep on coming, baby, and I believe I'm that better. 
Now, I don't know, but it seems like at the ending, he's playing faster than you did at the beginning. Which oh, yeah, yeah, fast. he's definitely speeding up, and he started off at breakneck tempo, right? Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Uh, now, re- really, really great. The bad, bad, not the bad thing, but he tends to swallow his words at the end of the line. I, you notice that, and I'd just like to point out when he says, we have a little city called Hooverville, named after President Hoover, who was president at the time of the Depression, and it's just like the homeless today. These were like, you know, cardboard boxes and shacks that people lived in because uh, they had no, no money. Right, right. Mm. Just wanted to point that out. That's what, that, that was uh, what, that was the su- the nickname Hooverville was. Uh, Hooverville is what yeah. they called that. Yeah. Okay. Incredible. I just want to, I got to ask you, is there a Henry Townsend in that stack? Yes, there is. Okay. All right. I don't want to jump the gun. Um, there was another question I have for you. Well, I, I, it just occurred to me during that thing. You had said in a previous show that um, you used to do this with uh, Pat Conte and Bob Guida. Yeah. Well, now I know why those guys were so damn good, because, well, Jesus Christ, this well, is like a master class in guitar playing. Well, it is. Not from me, but from the records. But um, still, the presentation is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. No, no. I, I like to do things like that. Uh, at one time, I was going to do all the uh, versions of... Uh, Back to the Woods, huh. you know, by Charlie Spann, yeah, which sure. was a, a, a surprisingly popular song because huh. um, um, Josh White did it and um, uh, Max Reinhardt did it, and I think maybe one or two other people, which I can't remember now. Uh, and I thought that would be interesting to show the variations on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think I ever did. I just think I just thought about it. This, I believe, I did. Anyway, here we have another version of Cairo by High Henry Bond, which seems to be the only <laughs> the only piece he knew. Uh, the um, the backup guitar is by Charlie Jordan, and he does most of the uh, filigree work, I guess you'd call it. And High Henry Bond just keep, keeps playing Cairo through. His six recorded sides. <laughs> but it's always great and it's always different. Okay, let's hear it. Well, 
Almost fell for the Charlie uh, McCoy fake out. Well, number two hospital was the hospital for black people in St. Louis, and of course, people dreaded going there because the apparently the medical care was substandard and sure, yeah. you know that was atypical i mean really 50s and 60s too right well it got better because there were there were more black doctors and more you know more people but yeah it was up until i would think after the war um a lot of black hospitals were probably somewhat some substandard compared to white hospitals I mean, I guess it's not any different now. It's just that now it's just poor people as opposed to just, say, black people. I mean, if, if you don't have the money, you get substandard care in this country. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's very true. Not much has changed, I guess. No, not too much. Anyway, from that great... Uh, they just mesh so beautifully, Charlie Jordan and I, Henry Brown. Oh, that was amazing, yeah. Uh, and it's funny, I, I, I wouldn't recognize that as uh, Charlie Jordan if I didn't know it was him. Yeah. Because, uh, he, you know, he's playing, he's really playing K-Ro. I mean, you know. Yeah, well, I... It, I, it, I doesn't, it doesn't really hit me as his, you know, the, the keep it clean and hunky-tunky kind of feel that no, is so easily recognizable. He's, he's doing the filigree, right? He's doing the... The, the slides, the you know, the bass slides and the yeah, yeah. the up to upper, but it's not really K-Roll. Hi Henry Brown is playing the K-Roll part. I got you right, yeah. right. And, and it, you know, and that's all he does. He does it through six records. Well, <laughs> Charlie Jordan does pretty much the same thing, you know, with the, with the backup, but they're all different, you know, some of them, su- it's, they're just, they're just such a great duet together. Anyway, I think this is all probably probably the most brilliant renditioning of Cairo outside of Cairo. Okay. It's Henry Townsend, uh, who, who, who's just a, a superb musician, and his Cairo is it's recognizable as Cairo, but it's so different. It's so different that for a long time, people thought it was an open E. And then I, about 10 years ago, I was at Michael Stewart's house, and he played it because I, you know, we just happened to want to hear it and I listened to it and I said Michael I think that's in standard E and he listened to it and he said by God I think you're right hmm. and for like 40 years pe- you know people thought it was an open E but I don't think it is I think it's in standard E it's just the way he plays it mm-hmm. is just astounding and uh, I'd just like you to speak on um, I- I've heard so many uh, like novice collectors and you know blues enthusiasts I'll say um, argue that Henry Townsend and Henry Spaulding were the same Absolutely people. not. Right. Even Henry Townsend knows that. <laughs> okay, so, so clarify that for people, because I think what happens is because there's that footage of Henry Townsend playing actually Cairo where he's kind of showing you how Henry Spaulding did it. That's exactly right. And yeah. and people take the leap and go, well, that's the same person. No, no, it's okay. not. If you listen to, the, if you ever hear the other side, Biddle Street Blues, sounds nothing first of all like Henry Townsend and right. it doesn't even sound you know like Cairo um, but Townsend said that uh, Spaulding was a barber which was and that everybody when his version got recorded it became pretty much the standard or right. you know at least that was the song for St. Louis right. and he was definitely he was born in Future City Illinois okay I believe where Townsend was born in in Shelby, Mississippi. Now, I met Henry Townsend several times and had extensive talks with him about J.D. Short and Clifford Gibson, and he always said that, you know, when Henry Townsend made that record, it was just bang, you know. You mean when, when Spaulding made that record? When, when Spaulding made Cairo, right. it was like, well, it that was the record. Everything, right. It pretty much changed although it was known. It was known before that because uh, Townsend said to me he first heard the Cairo arrangement in 1923, when he just had 
come to St. Louis at like 12 years old. Huh. He ran away from home and he came to St. Louis. Interesting. At 12 years old. And it was this guy, Kid Rains, I think, Kid Rains, or Fred, Fred Kid Rains, who had come up from Memphis or Mississippi, I don't remember which, who brought that arrangement with him. And huh. we'll be hearing what that arrangement sounded like after Cairo. Okay. Well, here, a, a recording of the same arrangement, not as good as Henry Spaulding's, but the same arrangement two years before Henry Henry Spaulding recorded. No kidding. Uh, huh. No kidding. And let's hear uh, uh, let's hear Henry Townsend, who's a magnificent, gu- a genius guitar player. Okay, and just to uh, clarify, because I um, have had this discussion slash argument so many times, especially with young uh, guys. You spoke with Henry Townsend, who told you there was a Henry Spaulding. Oh, absolutely. I meant. If, I you, told if you, you can't hear it on the records, no. It. You spoke with him. Yes. Okay. Now Henry Townsend obviously knew Henry Spaulding very well. Right. And probably learned his arrangement. And his well, arrangement. Well, when he does the film, I mean, he's doing. Oh, the he's Spaulding doing arrangement. exactly the yeah. Henry Spaulding I mean, arrangement because they asked bit, him to do. Right. They asked well, him to I'll do. Well, I'll tell it. you. Uh, I don't know, but. Henry Spaulding could play exactly like Clifford Gibson. Hmm. I asked him, I said, you know Clifford Gibson? He said, oh yeah, and he put his guy, played his guitar, and it was exactly like listening to Clifford Gibson. No, what you meant was Townsend could also play like Gibson. Yeah, he could play like Gibson. He could probably play play like a lot of the St. Louis musicians, even including some you probably never heard of. Well, that was probably common for a lot of guys, right? I mean, I'm sure guys, you know, if they hung around each other, they they all picked up each other's bits a little bit. Yeah. I mean, maybe some were better at it than others, of course. No, well, Townsend was, you know, he played piano. He was a much better guitar player. He was a well-rounded... He was a well-rounded musician. But, I mean... I heard some of his later piano stuff. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it's good. It's not astounding like his guitar playing can be. Right. Um, But he was, you know, and, and... what you generally do when you hear somebody else is you incorporate their licks, right. you know, or, you know, generally some of their fundamental arrangements. But he could play exactly like Clifford Gibson, and I'm sure he could play exactly like Henry Spaulding because he was, he was very tight with Henry Spaulding. Right. Anyway, let's hear Henry Townsend. Okay. And you can hear him do this. this. The thing is, he does this, the string snapping while playing the bass and it sounds like Henry Spaulding, and I don't see how he does it, because I don't even see how Henry Spaulding does it, but he can do it. Mistreat me, 
I'm gonna send you clear back home. That's all right for you, babe. I won't pawn my watch and ring. That's all right, babe. Pawn my watch and ring. I don't give you my money. I don't give you most anything. That's just that, amazing. That's just incredible. You know, I don't know how Listen, you sound. Listening to these one after another is just so intense. Oh, my God. Uh, I can't believe how he's snapping those strings because yeah. he's playing the bass at the same time. The only thing, you know, at first I, you know, I said, well, he, he's usually snapping the E string when it's open. But no. sometimes he didn't. Yeah. He, not all the time. You no, know, but yeah. usually, I mean, that's what he's doing. I said, well, maybe he can do that. But he's it's also incredible. playing bass, and he's when he does, you know, like when he's actually fretting, it sounds like he's using two fingers to snap. But he can't be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. impossible. Yeah. The only thing I can say is when I met Henry Towns, the first thing I noticed about him is he had massive forearms. I huh. mean, they made Popeye look anemic. <laughs> no, and and that may be the thing. He may just be doing it just with just with one finger, hmm. but to do that is incredible. Yeah, I, and, like and the feel on top of every all that technical stuff that's happening, the feel is just haunting. You know. Oh, it's it's a great record. And it took me. It took me. You know, when I first I got this very early, just you know, about the same time I got Cairo, and I sort of like considered it as like you know a variation of Cairo and nothing nothing else. It took me about thirty years to realize this is a great record. I mean, it is a great record on its own merits. What yeah, he's yeah. doing is oh, absolutely is just fantastic. This is what you were talking about: is taking a style and doing your own version of it, and something completely your own. Yes, it's you know. I mean, there's could, nobody who can play like that. No, yeah. you. It's recognizable as a cable variant, but it is so Henry Townsend. I don't yeah. know what else to say. And it's funny it's because Henry Townsend was a guy that didn't really hit me. You know, I heard him a little bit on. Reissues here and there, and it didn't really hit me until you played me his records, and I heard it off the records. The thing with the room. blues, that bluebird, y- yeah, that, that just knocked everybody out. And and now he's, I mean, one of my favorites. But I have to say that record we just heard—that's one of his best. That's one of his two best records. I mean, that that is really mind blowing. Yeah. Now the Paramount is also nice because it's the first version of Mama Don't Allow Me. Huh. Uh, and there's a bad cop. There's a rough copy of it, and if if we if a better copy ever turns up, it might be another masterpiece. It's hard to tell when it's wrecked. Huh. But Poor Man Blues and Sick with the Blues are just as good as anything ever recorded. I think. Yeah. They're as good as Cairo. They're as good as Pony Blues. They're yeah. as good as My Black Mama. They're in. They're in there in that. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's incredible. All right, let's hear Cairo now. After all this, are, are we already there? We're already at Cairo. We're already at Cairo. Okay. We've heard five versions. Cairo, Cairo, and my baby's home. Cairo, Cairo, and my baby's home. Why not care of baby and it won't be long? All I know she take my loving on. No, my baby, she won't take my loving on. No, by that I swear won't be alone. Alone. 
Women in Cairo Won't treat you nice and free Women in Cairo Won't treat you kind and free Get you right and take you off that beat Kick and knock you Beat you and cut you too Kick you and knock you Beat you and cut you too Bring it through just ready for the dream My baby's home I'm going home and I'm swinging for me long Well, it's it's such a great record. It's an iconic record. It's it's in the pantheon. It's one of the greatest blues records ever made. Yeah. I, I still don't understand. Even though I've seen Henry Townsend do it on video, I still can't understand how to t- how he does it. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's been it was always beyond my capabilities. I could never integrate all the parts. Well, watching Henry Townsend do it really gives you some insight as you know to there's if you lay back on that rhythm and just kind of pop those melody notes in. Mm-hmm. You know, you could see it's doable. Anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, I came I close to getting it for a while. I haven't tr- I haven't tried to play that in a while. But I had trouble with one of the turnarounds, getting it exactly right in standard E. I just couldn't quite get it to sound exactly right. But I felt like I had all the other parts, at least, you know, it doesn't sound like that, but at least I I had them, you know. I actually saw somebody do Cairo Blues, a guy from Richmond who was at the James River Blues Festival. And, you know, I was supposed to be one of the judges, but I arrived too late i was coming up from north carolina and he was astounding yeah yeah i mean do you remember his name no i don't uh, i, I could if find, I could find out find his him name. on youtube or something i could find out his name yeah but I'd like he, to he was able to do it and uh i wanted to you know talk to him which i did but only for about five minutes because he was i heard pat conte do a beautiful version one night at jalopy when he was doing his really solo. yeah conte's amazing isn't he yeah yeah and just uh, his voice just suits that kind of singing. Does it really? Too, oh, yeah. I'm so glad. Okay, well, anyway. Now, the thing is, of course, what we didn't know, what I didn't know until... <coughs> uh, well, I, I met uh, Henry Townsend for the first time at uh, the Washington, D.C., one of those Washington, D.C. folk festivals. Okay. And I talked to him for about at least a half hour. And that's when he told me... So he was doing the folk festival circuit. Well, no, he was doing that. He was... You know, he had made that Bluesville record in the 60s. And then, you know, completely ignored, except uh, for, um, you know, blues enthusiasts. I mean, Gene Rosenthal recorded him, and Bob West in Seattle recorded him when he went out to, uh, to do a concert. But he was not, like... A, a big attraction because he never had a real hit record. He never he never had a real hit record. His stuff th- is too dark and creepy. Like you have to listen to it the way we've been listening to it in a relaxed atmosphere and what? really. And then it's like listening to Devil Got My Woman or something. No, his, but it it's not like you know going to grab the average person just. In, no, you have nothing catchy's going to stick with you. you, you more like experiencing uh, some kind of time travel you know some kind of dark mystical thing more than oh I love that tune you know yeah well Henry Townsend is a proponent whether he realized it or not he's what he's a proponent you know an exemplar of what is called deep blues right it is I mean, very very deep it's very and deep and I realize you gotta take a couple breaths like I mean when I first heard him I, I didn't get it it, 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 I didn't it went get right it. by me you know? it went right by me like I told you, that record's a great record. It took me like almost 40 years to realize how astonishing it was. I have and mi- that- mistreating blues, and I mean, sometimes I just sit in yeah. here, 
That's one time, the other I, one side. time I, I listened to it, you know, two or three times. Yeah. And I, and I said, man, each time I hear it. You I, hear something different. Yeah. You hear something you never heard before. It's incredible. That's, yeah, and he's like, at his best records, he's like that. Anyway, to get back to to Cairo. Oh, sorry. We okay. heard Henry Spaulding. That is, you know, the iconic ver- version that everybody... I mean, that that is what created the St. Louis guitar sound, right? Well, I mean, no, there was a St. Louis guitar sound. You think it was the sound first, then Cairo? Yeah, I think it was the sound first. It was sort of, I think, no. Actually, I don't know. And considering that Henry Townsend told me he first heard the arrangement, not Henry Spaulding, from a Memphis or Mississippi guitarist who came up to St. Louis in 1923. And that, but Henry Townsend fixed it as an iconic or a tune that everybody had to know how to play. Now, it's like Pony Blues in Mississippi. If you didn't know Pony Blues or a variation of it, you, you weren't, weren't a Mississippi guitar player. Yeah. And it's, there's another thing. In Lynchburg, Virginia, there was a song called Tampa, which was resco- recorded by Seth Richards in 1943. Hmm. If you didn't know that song in Lynchburg, you were nothing. Right. You know, it was the song that you set the sta- That set the standard. You were a guitar player if you could play that song. If you didn't, you were nothing. Right. But we have, and I didn't know this until much, much later, there is a version that was recorded years before, a couple years before Henry, Ta- Henry Spaulding by Will Shade. No kidding. Yeah. He, the first two versions, the first two choruses, excuse me, the first two choruses of this are Cairo. And afterward, there's another instrument that comes in and he sort of lays back into a Memphis jug band kind of, you know, oh. backup. Interesting. So, but... It's a, still a great record. And this is what Cairo sounded like before Henry Spaulding. And the, the one o- other thing that I just wanted to touch on, yeah. I wanted you, you to, to kind of explain to people, and this is something I, I, I talk, talk with you and other people about all the time, and, but I think there's a general consensus out there that, like, you know, this kind of guitar playing started in 1925 when Blind Lemon recorded and of course we know that you know people were playing guitar and in, oh, in these styles for years and years and years and yes. years just because we don't have a recorded history of it doesn't mean it wasn't happening no. so when we talk about the St. Louis sound we're we're talking about what we know from what's recorded we really don't know because we don't know what was going on you know in the 1800s and the early 1900s or like you said even the early 1920s you know, yeah, bef- Townsend told you he, he heard uh, an 1923, and when all you would hear were female blues singers. No, right. I... Blues as far records, as the records go. Uh, let me tell you something. L.V. Thomas started learning how to play guitar at 11 years old in like 1901 or something. Right. And God knows. She said there were blues then. They weren't popular as other things. And... God knows what they were playing for the 25 years before Blind Lemon came on the scene. Right. And Blind Lemon came as a fully developed guitar player and singer. He didn't just come exactly. overnight out of nothing. Uh, right. <laughs> and exactly. neither did these other guys, even the lame's guitar player. And, and you know, you, you also have to consider that what Lemon was doing, I mean, it was nothing is 100% coming out of the air original. I mean, somebody influenced him, and of course, Lemon's—you know—one w- of the most unique guys on record, especially considering that he was the first guy to get recorded. It's kind of amazing. Well, actually, Papa Charlie Jackson was. Okay, excuse me. Oh, actually, Ed Andrews was, but you know, he and, and Sylvester Weaver recorded. Behind well, I think Star of him Martin. as like a breakthrough guy that he changed, was. He you know, changed it. it. Male singers it, became more popular than female singers, right? With him and, and guitar players in general. Yeah. But what I mean is, you know, everybody gets it from somewhere. So mm-hmm. you know, Lemon was listening to somebody. Somebody influenced yeah. him. Yeah. No, you I know. Didn't, he didn't just hear some female blues singers and make everything up on his own. You know. So all I'm saying is that you know, this stuff is even deeper than we can. Uh, really uh imagine right. I've, I've heard people say that 
There were probably blues as far back as 1870. 1870. 1870. The point is, you 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 talk to to musicians who were born around the turn of the century or earlier, and they say, you know, well, the, I remember hearing, you know, don't you leave me here, Alabama bound, right. you know, when I was like six, seven years old, at, between 1900 and 1910. Well, that so that means there was right something. There. They, they right. all remember that song because it was probably very popular. You think it was first called Alabama Bound? My no, I don't know what it was Who called. Knows, right? It might have been called Elder Green because the early Elder Green is gone Elder there. Green is you know uh, Papa Charlie Jackson mentions Elder Green in one of his in, in his version of Alabama Bound. Right, and, of and Charlie Patton. Patton's uh, you know um, he mentions Elder Green in oh what does he call it? I can't remember. Elder Green is gone. Oh, it's Elder Green Blues, of course. Yeah, Elder Green, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was obviously the earliest version was Elder Green. Or because the er, the first. Charlie Patton was playing blues in 1910. He was playing pony blues in 1910. Okay. He learned from another musician called Earl Harris in the. between 1904. Seven in 1910, and by 1910 he was the, you know, Northern Mississippi. He was the star. Right. He was the, he was the guy, but he wasn't the only one. And uh, even though latecomers like uh, Sun House, who didn't start to play guitar until 1926 or so, when he heard this unrecorded uh, guy play "My Black Mama," huh. and he just loved the bottleneck so much. That you know, he decided not to become a preacher, to become a musician, hmm. and you know he didn't come out of a vacuum. Like he didn't come out of a vacuum and well, said, "Oh, I'm going to be." That's sun just house. my point: is that nothing comes out of a vacuum. No, it, no, it, it appears that way a lot of times. And in this, in the case of this music, it certainly seems to have come out of nowhere. Yeah, because of the the nature of the recording industry and how it changed in the mid twenties. Well, yeah, but but the thing is, by 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 the depression it was sort of like lost after 1930 you know after 1933 34 the uh, the original stuff was pretty much gone dissipated uh, you had people like Robert Johnson who created a great synthesis right of all these various styles and you still had people like Big Joe and Tommy William, uh, Tommy McLennan, Robert Petway. Yeah, great. Uh, all, all great. All great guys. George Torrey, Bucka White. Great, great. Who were still great, playing great, in great. an older style. But the old style was gone because by that time, it was the black population was more urban. Right. The money was in the, juke, was in the juke joints in the north, in the taverns, in the, you know, cabarets that they had there. Yeah. Uh, it changed, and you know and it, that's why after the war, wanted, it's all you different. Know, the, the KCB Weldon sound, the, the modern sound. Yeah, they wanted a more modern sound. You know, everything changed. I, I mean, mean, I mean, that's that's always the way it is. Right? Yeah, I mean, look, if you were going to start a disco band today, you'd be dead. <laughs> well, that's what you know. A lot of people don't really get that. Like Robert Johnson was essentially doing classic rock when he recorded. You know, basically he was doing he he he, he would have been on a classic rock station. He would he would be, <laughs> uh, but, but actually he was popular because he took he took from everybody. He stole from the best, and he he stole the and he had a great voice and a great he had performer. a good voice, yeah. and uh, he was fortunate, like Bing Crosby, that they had electronic micro microphones because. He didn't have a strong voice. He right, had a right. good voice, but not a strong voice. Right. He couldn't have been. He never he, would have made it without a microphone. Is what no, you're yeah. he he would have been probably reduced to just playing juke joints. Yeah. But he was a he was a, a incredible performer, a, an incredible musician. He stole only from the best, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Skip James, Scrapper Blackwell, Pat to some extent, Sunhouse Sun especially. Yeah. I mean, he used all those Sunhouse licks. Uh, he did walking blues and preaching blues, but they were from other. <laughs> yeah, he's just amazing. Anyway, let's hear the That's first a, recorded version of K-Roll. So this is this is the the first uh, arrangement of the first arrangement 
and this is 1927, I believe. Okay. But we're listening to an arrangement that was ready in St. Louis almost five years. And this is Will Shade. And was Will Shade from St. Louis, or no? Will Shade was from Memphis. He okay, never that's left what I Memphis. Thought, yeah. The the arrangement came from Memphis or Mississippi. I don't remember what town right. told okay. me. I you said that. But let's listen to it. And See, by the time I've listened to the show three or four times, I'll remember all this stuff. Okay, no, it's good <laughs> stuff to remember. It's a lot of information. I'm glad I still remember it myself. All right, let's okay. hear it. Incredible. Yeah, Dude, that intro is just mind blowing. That's I know. that's Cairo. I that's Cairo, and that's what it must have sounded like in 1923. And now we know what Cairo sounds like with uh, Jews Harp. Yes, of course. You know, it's like any musician, as soon as another instrument comes in and take, you know, he just lays back, does a typical Memphis jug band yeah, <laughs> background yeah. like Will Wells. He's still so great. I, I love just listening to him play guitar on his yeah, own. Yeah, no, he, he he's is a great, great accompanist. But that. That, that blew my mind when I first heard it. I said, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> expect him to go into that little, whatever you call bridge, the K-Row bridge at the intro for some reason, because most of the other guys didn't do it. No, no, but they didn't. he but hits that, there's absolutely no denying where that no, came from. No, but you have to admit, after listening to that, even though it's obviously the K-Row blues arrangement, that Henry Spaulding 
created a masterpiece. That's exactly what I was thinking. I and was thinking like, it, it, all right, so there's the structure, and then you think of what Spalding did when he recorded Cairo. And Townsend. I mean, that's why you're talking about Short, one of the most important and Lane blues Hart. records. I know, all of and, them. You, know, I mean, you could take any one of those records on their own and say this is one of the greatest blues records ever recorded. I know. It's amazing about that. It's just mind-boggling. Uh, I was going to do something like that on Pony Blues once upon a time. Oh, well, maybe you'll have to come back and hit us. Well, I don't have I don't have all the records, but we could probably do it. I bet so. you we could do something pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I know. We could do Tommy Johnson. We could do Charlie Patton. We could do Willie Brown. We could do Sonny Scott. Oh, that'd be great. And, and it, this is so amazing. I, I mean, and, and I really want to say thanks so much for doing this. And I, I can guarantee you... Uh, People are going to be listening to the show for a long time and just be well, mind so. blown by it. it, it it's, th- it's, this was, you know. it's informative and it's great. I don't know what else you can say about yeah, it. Yeah, it's all those things. It's informative and it's great. And it's a, a great privilege to be able to sit here and listen to all these records one after another like this. There's no other place in the world you can do it. And no, I, I, I feel like I just learned a lot about uh, Cairo. Yeah, I no, mean, that was the whole point. Things I never thought about, and uh, man, no, it's. It, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up my guitar. I'm gonna keep going. I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna get it, man. I'm no, no, get, get it. it, get it. Then you can show me, and if I ever <laughs> get my chops back, I haven't played guitar since since the fire. But I, I'm gonna go back and try and do something. Yeah, now's the time, man. Yeah, but I really understand about how you got these old guys. <laughs> they hadn't played in 30 years and you asked them to play songs and they just, you know I understand how how tough it was Yeah, yeah. I really do because uh, I wasn't a bad guitar player I wasn't a good guitar player when I and I basically quit playing about 30 years ago because I said I wasn't going to get any better I think it and comes back though you know well, um, you know I, I, I played I sort of kept every now and then I played but since since I you know my hands got burned in the fire, uh, I haven't played very much, and when I started to play, it was like, oh, just incredibly tough, hmm. because. And it, you it's know, tough at the beginning, yeah. There's no yeah, it's that. very I, tough. I, I went mean, through a period once where I didn't play much for like a year in my mid twenties. Mm. Was kind of disgusted with music in general. And then when I really started focusing on this stuff and started playing again, I, I had the same minor thing. I mean, it was only a year, but my hands weren't working the way they used to. And no, no, that's it. And I, and I found it came back and then some, you know, just yeah. like anything else. I thought at first, well, muscle memory will take care of it, but not quite. You really no, because there's, there's a coordination thing going on. Yeah, but, I know. You I'm know, it is like what they say about at some point the riding a bike theory kicks in and yeah yeah at some point i haven't got anywhere near that point i've tried a couple times and i've just been very discouraging but i think i'll you know i'll get back into it uh you know i'll try some things that i remember were pretty simple i had this uh pseudo frank stokes things in d which i used to play just to keep my chops up sort of and you know it's like it was real easy to play because you know it's in D. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, I'll I'll try I'll keep trying. Anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed the show, oh and God, uh, yeah. I hope they have a great appreciation for Cable Blues, one of the greatest blues ever recorded, and that, all its that's variants. It. Yeah. All its variants. There's nothing there. else. No, that that's St. Louis. That's that that is the crux of St. Louis guitar. I mean, in the sense that. Pony Blues are the crux of Mississippi guitar. It wasn't all there was to Mississippi guitar, just like it wasn't all there was to St. Louis guitar because you had Lonnie Johnson, who influenced, who influenced Clifford Gibson, obviously. And you had, you know, other minor guitar players that who made one or two sides, you know, as accompanists or as, you know, even solo guitarists like Papa Eggshell. Oh, yeah. You, you know him? Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, he was really good, and uh, he only made four sides, and they're pretty good when he's in tune. Hmm. <laughs> but um, it's something to ponder. I'll take all your out-of-tune records. It doesn't bother me. I'm out no, of tune all the time. No, I don't think so. I, I, I had going up... <laughs> do you, do you have t- Teddy Darby's? 
Yeah, well, I don't have the Victor, but I, I and I've got the Bluebirds. I've got all the Bluebirds, and uh, I think that's all I got now. It's just all the Bluebirds. I had, uh, um, what is it, the Paramount. I sold it to Richard because he wanted it, and I had. No, I never had the Victor. Never had uh, the that's Victor. one where it's horribly, horribly out of tune, but oh it's still God, great. Oh God, it's worse than instrument bass. It's still great though. It's it's a great record. That's out of tune. That's what you can yeah. say about it. All right. Well, th thanks a lot, Don, for doing it. Okay. No problem. See you next time. Okay. See you again. <laughs>